Hi, this is Roger McGuinn, and my favorite station is WMNF, Tampa, Florida. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I said it's all right. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11 we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today we are talking with Danny Hall about the 2023 Tampa Bay Veg Fest and the environmental benefits of living a vegan lifestyle. So exciting. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the skeletal Annie Ellis. <laughs> I am wearing, uh, it's not because I'm so skinny, I can tell you that, but I'm wearing a Day of the Dead skeleton costume. It's awesome. It glows in the dark too, by the way. The studio, the studio is not dark enough to see it. I know. Helping with the show is Irene taking your calls and Mr. Bill Grace working the boards. And uh, Annie, got any updates? Uh, well, you know, uh, we do have a whole bunch of things that are coming up, but uh, on WMNF, Tuesday Cafe, we'll get the latest information about a possible leak in the Polk County uh, 5 gypsum stack owned by Mosaic. And you can tune in at 10 o'clock Tuesday morning uh, on our 88.5 FM. And that ought to be really interesting. Very good. And so you? that's tomorrow. Yeah. And then this Saturday, I'm going to be all the way down in Venice near Sarasota at a, a, at a library event. Okay. And then this, that's this Saturday, November 4th. Also this Saturday, November 4th, the Tampa Heights Junior Civic Association, um, Kitty Wallace, our good friend Kitty lovely. Wallace. She is notified the woman uh, in <laughs> town. She said that you can enjoy a beautiful evening in the garden on this Saturday, November 4th for the third annual Garden to Table Dinner event, five o'clock cocktails with the Blake High School Jazz Band. They are so good. Six o'clock, there's the dinner and you can even get a vegan entree or you can get a fish entree and then you're going to get lots of vegetables. And uh, I think think the fish is uh, from their tilapia pond, too, as well. Yeah, garden to table. So everything sourced there. I went uh, to that, not last year because something happened, but the year before, and it was magnificent. They have a wonderful gazebo that they built in the middle uh, for teaching situations, and they set that up. It's really great. And I got to say, that band, when I was there, I was like, who are these guys? They are magnificent. And you would not even believe that it's a high school jazz band at all. We're Very professional. N- we're not going to give the address away because you do need to RSVP for this event. Oh, you have S- yes, and you have to purchase. Yeah, a so ticket. you can go to Eventbrite or you could just Google the Tampa Bay. I think Eventbrite's the way to go. Yes, for sure. Association. Yeah, because that's how you're going to get your ticket. Yeah, and there's a whole lot of other stuff on Eventbrite too. Just by the way, I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. There's uh, some things. Uh, a shoreline uh, restoration uh, program that will be at Booker Creek. Uh, there's also uh, at both uh, the Polk County and the Hillsborough County. Uh, there are uh, different uh, different workshops for irrigation, for composting, and different odds and ends like that. So y'all ought to go on there and check out and see what's happening because there's a lot going on. And then uh, I. I know people who listen to the Sustainable Living Show, they like to support farm-to-table, garden-to-table, so that would be a great opportunity this Saturday. And like we said, there's even a vegan uh, entree. And speaking of vegan, 
Well, I want to throw one more thing in before speaking of vegan. Uh, and we did not make our goal either. So if you want to donate to us, you can do that as well. If it's too late to donate to us, which I'm not sure if that is true. No, it's, you can still do it. You can go all on and donate to uh, Sustainable Living Show. Anything helps our whole uh a radio station did not make their full goal. So anything you can do to help, it makes a difference. So back to vegan. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lovely person here with us. I'm very excited about it. Live uh, in the studio. Live in the studio. That's right. And uh, it's Danny Hall. And I'm going to read a little bit about her because she is something. She is really does a lot of things for the community. She's an ecologist, a naturalist, an avid birder, a vegan gardener, and author. She's also a full-time vegan and activist in, in environmental animal welfare and social justice rights. She's researched habitat fragmentation, which is interesting to me, and loss of it as it relates to migratory birds. She and her husband recently converted their suburban yard into a wildlife sanctuary and food forest. Danny provides educational nature walks in her Tampa Bay area to increase eco-literacy and to foster a great, greater passion for our planet. I got to go to your house. <laughs> I mean, this already just tells me right now I need to be on that tour. You're invited. Well, do you do like a group tour? Is that how you you work it out? You know? So most of my tours, the tours happen in like our county parks and things like that. Oh, okay. But I do property. give, I, I do give tours of our gardens okay, as well. that's where I want to go. Yes, come on over. Uh, We'd love to have you. We're so happy you're here, Danny. Uh, it's really great to meet you. I've never met you in person. Yeah, it's wonderful we do, to meet you. We do have a lot in common for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we we need to talk about the Tampa Veg Fest because yeah. this is something else. I mean, it's really a wonderful uh, program. You know, I read that it, it won the Jewelers Choice Award in two to uh, 2016 from the Tampa's Urban Excellence Awards as one of 10 must-attend VegFest in the country. Yeah, absolutely. So you tell us about that. What is the VegFest and more so, about it? VegFest is a just a celebration of living a lifestyle of no harm. So, you know, and that's to people and animals. People always assume, you know, that um, vegans and animal rights people come from just a place of animals, but we're all animals, aren't we? We are. So it's a wonderful celebration where vegan vendors, food, you know, food vendors, artists, local artisans bring their wares and they are all vegan and animal friendly. I love that. Yeah. That's very sweet. Now, where is it located, the date, the time, the whole thing? So it's happening this Saturday. It's the 4th, and it's from 11 to 5, I want to say. It is in Perry Senior Harvey Park in downtown Tampa. Perry Senior Harvey Park. Yes, it's a beautiful little park in a wonderful neighborhood over there in Tampa. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. It's, yes. It's a lovely name. Yes, and you can find all the information on the uh, Tampa Bay VegFest website. It's just tampabayvegfest.com. I went on that website yesterday. It's really good. Yeah. Very, very thorough. Whoever's doing the work on that, congratulations. You're doing volunteers. We're all you volunteers know, here. We so. are too. And yeah. isn't that great? That you get the best from the volunteers, right? It's wonderful. Because it's well, from the heart. Well, Danny, can you tell us who's organizing the event? So the, the event is organized by Florida Voices for Animals. We are the largest animal advocacy group in the Southeast. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. It's a voice for animals. Somebody voice needs to speak for the animals. Yes, exactly. Very sweet. So before the show, we were talking about Veg Fest, and I asked, does veg mean 
vegan or a vegetarian? So, Danny, can you tell us what a vegan is and what a vegetarian is and what the veg in VegFest stands for? Absolutely. So, vegans are people who have chosen to uh, live a life of no harm to animals in whatever way we possibly can do it within reason. Okay. So, we don't, generally speaking, now not all vegans ascribe to this, but we don't eat anything that poops. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that can go as far as not partaking in honey. Um, and it's, it's every aspect for many of us, it's every aspect of our life, whether it's the car we drive or the house we live in or the things we choose to purchase or, you know, the, the, the food that we choose to consume. Now, um, what's different between vegans and vegetarians is that vegetarians are still consuming things like dairy and eggs and, you know, um, what we consider dairy type products and, you know, honey as well. So that's the main difference. I just found out about the, I mean, I knew it in my heart about honey, but I didn't mm-hmm. really think about it uh, as that. But we're taking something from them. Absolutely. We're taking their food. Well, it's actually meant for their babies. Yeah. It's actually food for it's, their young. Yeah. Yeah. Their larva. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's the milk is also used for the babies. Well, the actually, oh, I just saw a horrible thing on television about that. How they just, as soon as they're born, they're removed. Yes. Oh, and, and then crushing. Danny, the Veg Fest is going to be all vegan. It is vendors. all vegan food, vegan products. It really does just, it's a wonderful celebration of living a vegan lifestyle. So that means no leather. No leather. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> people don't think about that, yeah. I don't think. No wool, no silk. No wool. Um, even certain inks come from um, little insects that people oh, don't right. realize. Right. So even ink can, can be non-vegan. So um, yeah, it's really a changing of your whole mindset. I I remember in college, I was getting all these strawberry frappuccinos from Starbucks. And then this big announcement that it was crushed up beetles to get the the milk red. And everybody was very upset about that. (laughs) That is wild. Did they change their product line? I'm not too sure. I don't know, actually. Starbucks has been kind of... Like they just um, hide the information Well, not now. so much. They're, they're, they have um, long been um, not very cooperative in not charging for alternative milks. Oh, I know? see what you're so saying. They have charged for Extra. alternative milks. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were still using <laughs> wow. insects to color their drinks. Wow, that's a lot of questions you have to ask, isn't it? And then that person might nest. <laughs> well, if you're getting a frappuccino, you're probably not a vegan. <laughs> Well, true. With all that. Yeah, I don't get all that. Yeah. I don't like all that stuff in my coffee. So, Danny, we like to think about the definition of sustainability as the balance of people, profit, and planet. And your presentation this Saturday, which is going to be at 11 a.m., it's called The Environmental Benefits of Living a Vegan Lifestyle. But before we talk about the environmental benefits of being a vegan, I was hoping you could share the financial and the benefits to humans. So let's do the... All of it. Yeah, how does does veganism help someone's wallet? And I I just know that people who are going to the grocery store already have some connection between the expense of meat and Well, yeah, because you're just speaking about, like we just talked about the more uh, that we would charge uh, or the Starbucks would charge yeah. <laughs> uh, for the, the difference in the milks, right? Yes, exactly. So, so as far as the costs are concerned, so I believe I recently read an article about how we have the highest beef prices 
in the country right now. I believe I read it was $8 a pound is yeah, the I average. No in Tampa I, or Florida? Sure. That's, I think that's across the board See, in the United no States. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's an average <laughs> from the Yeah, that was, actually a, put, that was actually a number that was put out by the beef industry itself. So wow, that's high. That is incredibly high. And I know that as growing up as a kid myself, that that was one of the number one expenses for our family was meat. Now, you can save a lot of money by sticking to the basics, a whole food diet that involves fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, things like that. Now, if you're going for the processed, trendy vegan stuff, the packaged products, that can get pretty pricey. And I think that might be where the myth that, you know, living or eating healthy um, is expensive. I think that's partly where that comes from because people think of these, you know, impossible Gardein, um, you know, packaged uh, beyond products and they are pricey, you know, but they're not always necessarily the healthiest option to eat regularly all the time. I think, you know, packaged food is never necessarily the answer to, to a healthy diet all the time. So I, in my personal experience, eating whole foods from the farmer's market, your local farmer's market, from, you know, a, a grocery store that you love and trust, you know, stick to the produce department. I, th- I even read a book one time that says, if you stick to the outside right. aisles of the grocery store and that's don't go heard. into the center, that's where you, you save money and, you know, eat healthier that way. So, uh, and you're also uh, supporting your local farmer. Yes, absolutely. And we have wonderful agriculture here in, in our area, Hillsboro, Pasco, um, even down in Sarasota and, you know, the Ruskin area. And, and there's, there's wonderful, you know, um, we grow tomatoes here. We grow uh, brassicas here. We grow cucumbers here. We grow all kinds of things that people don't even realize that are being grown in your own backyard. Blueberries, we grow blueberries. Kohlrabi. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Love kohlrabi. Absolutely. So yeah, if you can support your, your local and, you know, I, I'm a part of the slow food movement as well. Whereas you try to acquire your, your produce within 50 miles of where you live. Oh, that's what that means. Well, I, I'm mischaracterizing it, I'm sure, but... Um, I like that it's though. It essentially, good. Yeah, it's essentially just trying to um, take advantage of the resources that are close to you and support your local. You know what? I looked up the cost of beef, $10 a pound. Oh my, yeah. It was <laughs> nine something and then $10... I am flabbergasted because I don't buy yeah. beef, so there's that. Well, even tofu, like not everyone's a fan of tofu. I absolutely I love, love tofu, it. <laughs> but I can buy a, pa- a 16 ounce package of tofu for under two dollars. Yeah, organic, as a matter of fact, even right, right. So I wonder if it's because not as many people like it. <laughs> I think they it might take some getting used to. I, I understand. It. I do too. But, I do. But I wonder if that's what. Well, it's only price. it's only soybeans and water. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, it's fermented, so it takes a while. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, mass does. produced. It's yeah, actually it's pretty easy very, to make at home, believe it or not. Well, and it probably better because I think that's one of the dirty dozens is uh, soybeans are uh, chemically treated when they're grown a lot uh, in yes. general. So you, know, you, you want to you wanna try and make sure that if you can possibly do it to buy organic. Right, right. To just finish up uh, about the wallet, um, talking about those fake meats. I've, oh God! My neighbor. Well, first off, they're delicious. Are but they really? I've never had one. They're I, delicious because it's forty percent of your daily sodium. But <laughs> my neighbor, right? my neighbor, got quite upset with one company maybe ten or fifteen years ago. They took out all the vitamins and minerals like B twelve and like the things they, that that are you're supposed to be having. Had they or, added the, them before? 
Yes. So okay. the first like 20 years, 30 years they had it. And it was in a cardboard box and the patties were like loose, zero plastic, it was just cardboard. And now they're in these unrecyclable plastic bags. Mm. And then they took away all the nutrients <laughs> And, and they, they added, added and they added the fillers, yeah. Oh wow! So, yeah, once they got you hooked. So right. just being a vegan or vegetarian doesn't mean you're healthy, because no, you could be a pizzatarian yes. and just feeding. <laughs> absolutely, that is absolutely another myth that there are a lot. I've met my or pastatarian. Right. I'm friends with more junk food <laughs> vegans than healthy <laughs> vegans, to be fair. So we all have a journey to walk, though. All right, so that. That rolls us into the next question. What are the benefits of veganism in regards to humans, humanity, human health? Okay. If so, you're doing it the right way. Yeah. yeah. The non pastitarian So the first thing I want to say is that when it comes to anything in regards to these types of subjects, I come from a place of loving kindness, compassion, understanding. We are all on a different path we all have a path to walk in this life. Mm -hmm. I never like to come at people with, you're wrong, I'm right. You know, um, that just creates division. So if you are in a different place, my heart is with you, just so you know that. So when it comes to humanity, when speaking of health, I can only come from my own personal experience. So I, <laughs> I have a genetic deformity in my spine and it has caused severe instability and chronic pain since I was about 12 years old. And I had to have four back surgeries in my late 20s to really fix and correct it. And I was on all these medications. I was actually on 14 different medications, anti-inflammatories, painkillers, um, let's see, antidepressants to counteract the effects of the painkillers and the muscle relaxants and those types of things. So it was a very difficult time in my life. And my diet was horrendous. It was absolutely terrible. Um, so it was very difficult for my body to heal itself on the diet that I was on. So I discovered a friend who had healed herself. She had multiple sclerosis. She was able to heal herself through healthy eating, clean eating. Wow. And she wasn't sp strictly speaking vegan. But when I started really understanding, you know, how the body uh, works and, and takes in nutrients. And it, to me, it was a garbage in, garbage out scenario. So I really wanted to focus on putting whole, healthy, natural foods into my body. And I also didn't want to consume the suffering of other other beings. I did not want to, because essentially when you're eating another animal, you are consuming their suffering. And there's no humane way to kill someone. I'm sorry, there just isn't. So those animals, they, they feel fear, they feel... Um, they feel anxiety, they feel loneliness. So I didn't want to personally consume that into my body because I knew that wasn't healing either. So changing from a, <laughs> a very typical um, United States kind of societal like way of eating to completely clean, vegan, I was able to not only heal my pain because I could barely walk but I was able to walk again. I was able to start doing yoga. Um, I had horrendous eczema in different places all over my body. I was able to heal all of that. So it just completely changed the way that I felt every day. I had more energy. My hair looked better. My nails looked better. So it, it was just a no-brainer for me to just keep that, keep that going. So that's my own personal experience with health. You know, you just said something that really struck me. You called animals 
someone yes. instead of something. Yes. And I think that that is very telling in the point that we dis, disassociate mm-hmm. ourselves from that what we consider an object, yes. right, uh, to consume mm-hmm. rather than a living, breathing, feeling yeah. animal. Oh, absolutely. It's really beautiful. Yeah, we, we, I believe in the interconnection, the interrelatedness of all of us, all of us. So how can I harm, you know, something that I feel interrelated, interconnected with. And I'm not perfect. You know, people often say to me, oh, but you drive a car, Danny. So you're harming, you know, and I believe you me, I garden. I accidentally hurt things in my garden right. and it makes me feel so bad. But I, I do the best I can. You know, I don't ever claim to be perfect. I'm on a journey too, you know, but I do the best that I can to, to, to do the least harm as possible. As long as we try. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, Dan, you, you kind of said the Western diet, but I want to just say that there's the SAD diet, the standard, oh, the standard American diet. Oh, okay. Oh, sad. SAD. Right. And it consists of ultra-processed foods, added sugar, fat, and sodium. That was me. And <laughs> yeah. uh, high-fat dairy products and red meat also consist of the SAD diet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. We want to remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show coming to you from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. Today, we're talking about the environmental benefits. Soon, we'll be talking about the environmental benefits of living <laughs> a vegan lifestyle. And this Saturday's... 2023 Tampa Bay Veg Fest. If you've participated in the Tampa Bay Veg Fest before, give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can text us at 813-433-0885, or you can send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on air. And the first uh, message question you have, Danny, is from a good supporter of WMNF. um, Demi, and she asks, where do you get your protein? Which I would say is kind of the... That's the one question that's that the everybody first question. asks, right? That we eats sh- meat. They yeah, we should have asked that. Yeah. yeah. So um, that is a very, that's probably the number one question it that is, we get totally. when you eat your protein. And what some people don't believe or uh, understand is that um, according to my dear friend, Miriam, who is also a nutritionist, uh, a lot of Americans on the standard American diet are overprotonated. We're getting too much protein. But for a vegan, we get our protein from green leafy vegetables, believe it or not. We just kind of, we skip. That's where um, large mammals get their protein from. They, by eating grass and green vegetables and things like that. So we're just skipping the middleman. Uh, we're going right <laughs> to the source and eating green leafy vegetables. Uh, legumes are a wonderful source of protein. Uh, as I mentioned, tofu, that's a very high, uh, that has a very high protein contents. Nuts, uh, grains have quite a bit of protein. Um, yeah, so there's a vast world out there of whole, rich, wonderful foods that you can eat that are that will, will give you that protein that you need. You know, when I was, when you're talking about all this, all this is reminding me of like, when I was a kid, you know, we ate meat three times a day. I mean, seriously, we did. And, or something of a, an animal product with that, whatever it was, you know, cereal, you're having milk, and you know, mm-hmm. so on and so on. And whenever I turned, I think I was 17 when I started understanding about vegetarianism and I, I met some people that were, you know, because I'd moved out of Alabama where I lived before. And, and I moved to Texas where we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, 
I didn't know that there was a different way of eating. So I think that a lot of people, don't you think that a lot of people just habitually just do what they did, you know, what their parents did, and they just yes. continue to do that because they don't think it through? Yes, absolutely. So I also grew up in a what we call get or done (laughs) culture of, you know, blue collar. Um, I was actually incredibly poor when I was a child growing up in the deep South. And I grew up around hunting and fishing. My papa was a fisherman. So I completely understand that mindset. And we get very attached, get very attached to that identity of I am a meat eater. I am a, I am a, I'm a Southern girl. You know, Mm -hmm. I eat this way or I eat that. So we do, we get very attached to that and it can be very hard to see past it. Um, It can be very hard when everyone else in your family has a certain way and to go against that norm, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. It can be very hard to break out of, you know, what you've always done, your habitual way of acting in the world to see, to see differently, to see, you know, it from a different perspective, from a different point of view. And a lot of times too, I think, and I'm seeing it in your eyes, that when you are with those family members and you're not doing that, that they feel challenged by that and very defensive. Yes, absolutely. And when our sense of self and identity is challenged, the first thing we want to do is strike out and you're wrong. And so if, again, like I said, if we can come as vegans and in a world, you know, people from a place of understanding that we're all in a different place. We all have our own causes and conditions, you know, that color the way we see the world. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, more understanding, I think coming at people hard line, like you're wrong, this is the way that it should be. You're just not going to change many hearts no. and minds that way. So yeah. I do feel like having that heart of compassion can be, can go a long way. The door gets shut real fast. It does. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard of the song? This was from 12 years ago. It's from Jonathan Mann and Ivory King. It's, a, it's called Song a Day, number 810, Vegan Myths Debunked. And this song is just three minutes. It's about where do you get your protein? Oh, and it just, <laughs> it's a whole song about it's it. It's a whole that's, song about that's it. It's funny. And it's catchy. <laughs> and I've listened to it dozens of times because it's funny, but it's also like protein builds and repairs muscles and bones. And it also helps making hormones and enzymes. But giraffes eat vegetation right. only. Hippos only eat vegetation. Cows only eat vegetation. Right. So gorillas and orangutans. So my yeah, husband, giant gorillas. Yes, right? my husband used to actually work with orangutans, and he had he. There was one that could throw a giant tractor tire with like just one finger, like it was absolutely <laughs> wow. nothing. And he was completely vegan. <laughs> yeah. So it's possible. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, so that. We don't want to give away your talk, but let's give the audience some... A little boost. Yeah. <laughs> so your talk is called uh, The Benefits... Of, or what is your talk it's called? It's Animal <laughs> Welfare. No, the, the Environmental Benefits of Living a Vegan Lifestyle. Oh, there so, you go. Danny, what... Um, we don't have a lot of questions for you because I'm just assuming between the three of us, we can come up with a whole long list of environmental benefits of veganism. So what's the first one you want to talk about? So first I want to say that all of these things are interconnected. Like you asked me about um, how it affects humanity, veganism, thinking um, about where these factory farms are located. They're generally speaking in more rural environments, uh, lower income communities, and they create a ton of pollution. So unfortunately, 
our fellow humans who are the least able to handle said circumstances are the ones that it is heaped upon. Mm. So you get... Um, places near factory farms, there's air pollution issues. You get a lot of cases or uptick of cases of respiratory um, illness and things like that in places where there's a lot of air pollution associated with factory farming. Um, water pollution. Water pollution is a big one. And again, unfortunately, it's our, our you know um, disenfranchised communities that are more subject to uh, those types of pollution. So I just want to say that even though I'm talking about the environment, this absolutely is interconnected with and interrelated to um, all people and how, how we live. When you said that about air pollution, I, I wonder if it's about this thing that I saw on, uh, it was a, a special and it was about how they were spraying the waste products in the air <clears throat> to you know disperse it from their area uh, of these uh, pigs and cows and different pigs mostly. And because they're kept in these cement things for their whole life, you know, a building and, and trapped in cages. Uh, and then they just spray that in the air and it, that's in those communities. And that is the air pollution, isn't it? Is that what exactly. you're talking about? Exactly. It's, it's that. And it's also, oh boy. So I grew up uh, for part of my time in Maryland and I grew up right next to Purdue. So there was oh, a chicken people. Chicken people. Mm -hmm. So there was a hatchery on one side of the road and a slaughterhouse on the other where they housed all of the, the chickens and everything. And on a on a hot summer day for miles the smell was just it would choke you. It would the, the absolute, just the smell alone would just choke you and the air quality was just very, very poor. From all the uh, excrement that they have in those little houses that exactly. they keep them in. Exactly. And just the smell from what was left over from slaughter and those <sighs> types of situations. So yeah, the air quality was not fantastic around there when I was growing up. So that's absolutely one, one big deal for sure. For the environmental and the climate crashes. Yes, too. absolutely. So <laughs> what many people don't understand is that the idyllic image of, you know, a cow living out its life in a, you know, small little farm and with a eating bell in a pasture with the daisies bell in and, his hair. Exactly. Yeah. And people taking care of them like they're one of the family. That is, that may still exist. That may absolutely still be a thing somewhere, but that is not how we are getting our animal products. 99% of all animal products come from a factory farm or a uh, contained animal feeding operation, a CAFO, and that's a USDA term, CAFO. So 99% and it's, goodness, it's well over 70% worldwide. So if you think you're, you know, escaping somehow contributing to factory farming, you're not. If you're consuming animal products, you are absolutely contributing to factory farming. And as I said, factory farms, <laughs> one of the big deals, so let's start with land. We're losing land to feeding animals mm. to feed people. It's not even food that's directly going to human beings. We're taking up gigantic swaths of land to grow grain, uh, to feed animals that will ultimately suffer and die to be fed to humans. Now, the thing about mass-produced monocultural, you know, mechanized systems is that you can't truly treat every single animal with the love and the respect and the care that it needs. I, I was in animal rehabilitation for, oh my goodness, well over 20 years. Um, I rehabilitated birds 
and um, to take care of them the way that you're supposed to, it takes a lot of resources. It takes a lot of money. So to think that that is happening to millions of animals on a large scale, it's a fantasy. They're just not treated very well. They're just not. They're a number. They are absolutely a commodity. They are an they are absolutely a number. If you go, even if you go and read some of the literature that the USDA, USDA puts out in relationship to how they speak about the animals and their care, that's, they absolutely, they objectify them. They are absolutely. completely objects yeah. instead of living, breathing beings who love their families. They love their children. They don't want to die. They want to be happy just like we do. And there's a certain number that they look at uh, in those factory farms of uh, predictable loss, which means death. (laughs) You know, they expect a certain amount of death in there. Absolutely. And so we're losing land. So that is, those are less trees pulling excess carbon out of right. you know our environments, that's less trees to sequester that carbon long term. Um, it's less habitat for wildlife, which is a big one for me. I'm a, a giant advocate for preserving green space for wildlife. So, you know, for not, I mean, thirty. It's it's something really tiny, like thirty percent of all the land, agricultural land used in the U.S. is grown is growing food for people to consume. Mm. The vast majority, and it's something like 60% of our, um, I'll have to check my numbers really quickly so that I don't miss. Well, you know, while you're myself. looking, uh, I'll just mention too that uh, a lot of the feed, well, all of the feed, I'm not going to say a lot, is being sprayed with major chemicals, herbicides, and so on because they're genetically uh, made to be able to take the herbicide. And so yes. what's happening, particularly particularly with uh, the hay is grazon and different odds and ends are going on that. It goes through the cattle or the other animals that are eating hay and it passes through and that herbicide is still active in yes. their manures. So people are uh, are really taking a big risk if they're using manures in their gardens. Yes. Because of that, it can knock it out for seven years. Absolutely. And I have known people here in Florida who have lost two year cycles of crops because yeah. of that absolute and it was so sad because they didn't know. They right. had no idea what was going on. Yeah. They just thought they were terrible gardeners or they had just like yeah. struck horrible luck. Yeah. But no, it was the persistent herbicides in the manure. Absolutely. So it was actually, so one third of all land in the world, one third is wow. used for agriculture. And for it's people. actually for for. No, for for cattle. Oh my God. For animals. And actually it's over 60%. It is, it's over 60%. And I was very generous. It's actually 20% of that that's used for people in food. I said 30, but it's actually 20. So 60% of all land in the US is used for um, agriculture. And it's not, unfortunately, it's not the agriculture that is supporting, you know, the earth. It's this soil destroying monoculture mechanized system and soil people don't realize soil is a living thing it's a living breathing thing that you know supports microbes and insects and you know that's where a lot of the nutrients that's in our food comes from so if you deplete all of that where's the nutrition coming from from the chemicals they pour on top of it pretty much exactly so we're not only destroying habitat but we're destroying soil which took millennia to create in some cases so we're actually eating empty food in some cases because they're pushing all of the fertilizers Ah. into them so so that's land (laughs) 
<laughs> well, That's when just you're, that part. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're talking about the concentrated animal feeding operations, the CAFOs, uh, and you were talking about how like the animals are just a number, I did a podcast for Mother Earth News a couple of months ago, and they were saying that you can't really identify like one sick cow out of a thousand cows. So instead of giving that one cow the oh. antibiotics that they need, they give all the cows like 5% of the antibiotics that they're supposed to get, but that's not how antibiotics work. And that's how you get antibiotic resistance. If you just keep giving them a little bit, it kills off, you know, 90%, 99%. But then the 1% or the 10% of the bacteria that lives reproduces and then their offspring have their genes, which means they're not... They're they stronger. Yeah, they're stronger. They don't get killed off by the antibiotics. And I th- it's some government agency that's like, yep, we're, yep, we're going to do this 5% antibiotic to everyone rather than just actually treat the sick animals. Oh, yeah. And that can lead to antibiotic resistance in the environment. Oh, absolutely. Or at in hospitals people, and Mer- MRSA. And, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So that's absolutely something to take into consideration. And also when it comes to land, so that habitat loss, we've lost, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but we've lost billions of birds, billions with a B in this country alone in 50 years. And a lot of that is due to, I mean, some of it's, you know, from hunting and unfortunately poaching. Outdoor cats. (laughs) Outdoor cats. A lot of it though is from habitat loss and fragmentation. So, and, and fortunately birds are not necessarily the friends to many farmers, but what they don't understand is that when you remove, and a healthy ecosystem can really support agriculture, not take away from it. And while you're just saying that, it's because they eat the insects. So if you have that good symbiotic relationship and not just overdo on one item of it, then they will take care of the problem for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That perfect circle. Yeah, absolutely. You know, thinking... Um, big picture, you know, uh-huh. thinking of how an ecosystem works. That's how I designed my system. And granted, mine's a small scale, but we have proven it that we can do um, integrated, diverse agriculture for a large scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, doable. Danny, you got a text message. Somebody says, When a meat eater asks me, Where do I get my protein? I say, Where do you get your fiber? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. And then um, I think, you know, we always say this, we book far out in advance. But last month, um, I think after we booked you, the New York Times, PBS, CBS News, and NPR all had uh, articles Articles. yeah, or uh, stories about how Tyson Farms and Purdue Farms are facing federal probe after they they witnessed children as young as 13 either cleaning up in the slaughterhouses overnight or working in the butchering lines. Oh, I saw lines. some of that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I know you just mentioned that we're trying to talk about environmental stuff, but the humans and the profit, we all are Absolutely. It's all connected. Right. And that has to be... I Child mean, labor laws. It is, well, but it's And also then also, sorry, they said at least 10 states, legislators have proposed letting children work longer hours and oh in more my God. hazardous occupations. That's their solution. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, Republicans. So there that's we go. also <laughs> psychologically damaging to a child, potentially. Can so you imagine seeing all that? suffering. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's Be, not because good. they said that there's a migrant migratory uh, sh- people. Well, no, there's a migrant shortage problem. Oh. So they're extending the age range of who can work in these factories to meet the demand. Yes. 
Wow. Absolutely. So unfortunately, it really is about profit, you know, over over people. It's, you know, it, it's actually we, some places, um, we call them dump zones because they just dump, they just dump all their literal crap. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, they literally dump in places where, as I said, especially disenfranchised or low income or migrant people, you know, who they just want to be happy. They just want to live just like the rest of us do. So they're they dumping have the waste. Lives. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah. Well, and a lot of these places will set up in because it's cheaper. Right. It's cheaper to set up in places, in these types of places. Uh, so they take advantage of that. I would think that their local government is allowing that to occur too, because they probably have to go to them to be able to do that. But then the people with money would revolt. They yes. wouldn't have it, you know, whereas the people yeah. that don't have it. We're not having a cafe in Hyde Park. No, we're not <laughs> having that in Hyde Park. There's nobody down the street from where I live. But no, sure. they don't have to report their um, <laughs> air emissions. Most factory farms do not they're under no obligation, um, governmentally speaking, to report their emissions into the air. You know, there is a place right up the street for me, though. It's a restaurant and it has a lot of smoke all the time. I mean, it's like a lot of smoke. You can see it down the street when you're uh, coming up. And I, I call the city to have them monitor that and they, and they see it, but they don't do anything about it. It's kind of crazy to me. Mm-hmm. It's obvious. I could smell it all the way down to my house, and that was blocks and blocks away. All and right. You could see it, too. So, Danny, in your intro, we mentioned how you really like birds. Yes. And somebody texted a question, and they said, can I ask a bird question? Just learned about the whooping cranes, and it's near extinction. Do you know of any lo- locations local to see the ones that migrate here? So I always refer to my e-bird. <laughs> To my eBird app, um, whenever I'm looking for, when I was looking for the pink flamingos that oh, were right, here, they were here, I consulted an app called eBird. And what you can do is you can actually put in a search. You can search. There's a search feature, whatever bird you have to be looking for, and it'll pop up all the locations oh, within cool. the last two weeks where someone has seen them. Oh, that's very yeah. cool. Yeah. I saw a, a red-bellied uh, woodpecker on my feeder yesterday, and I was thrilled out of my mind. Yeah, yeah. So the, happy. The yeah. National Wildlife Federation says that we have a non-migratory flock in, of uh, the whooping cranes in Kissimmee. 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 Kissimmee, yeah. Kissimmee Florida. Central Florida. Yep. And... Yep. I was actually just over at Kissimmee Prairie Preserve um, a couple weeks ago. It was fantastic. Did you see any carnivorous plants while you were there? I didn't. I looked, (laughs) but I did did not see any. Actually, from what I, my understanding is that they're more prominent in the springtime. You see them. You can see the sundews and the little. Yeah, um, it might be. The bladderworts and stuff. Yeah. I saw bladderworts. I saw quite a few bladderworts a couple years ago when I was there, but not this time so much. Well, it's been really dry too. It, well, you know what's interesting? The wildflowers were a little bit late. The blazing stars and, you know, um, the other little meadow beauties and things, they were a little bit late this year. And talking to one of the rangers, he said they got late rains. They got rains when they weren't expecting them right. to happen. So it might have pushed the cycle back a bit. Yeah, because we had it was super, super dry. Then it rained and now it's dry again. Yeah, yeah. Everything at my house is dry. Yeah. Danny, you got another email. This is from Christina. Hello. Thank you for this show. I've heard that even when you are buying organic pasta, rice, cereal, that there's still a chance that the farmers may be spraying glyphosate on the crops. How can we be sure that our organic grains in the grocery store are glyphosate free? They are very expensive, and the thought of them also being toxic is unsettling. That's a good question because we actually, in my household, went through um, a little 
glyphosate situation where we wanted to, you know, avoid it at all costs when it came to oat milk because my son absolutely loves oat milk. And oat milk can, is one of those, oats are one of those products that do get sprayed with glyphosate if they're not, or, you know, uh, conventional. Conventional oats are sprayed with glyphosate. So uh, again, organic, if you can possibly help it. So organic farmers are held to an incredibly high standard, almost impossible at times. Christina um, is thinking that even if it says that it's organic, that there could still be glyphosate. That's not glyphosate. true. That. I don't believe That's that to true. be the case. I mean, is it possible that there overspray. could be overspray from yeah. other places? Yeah. But generally speaking, if you're growing organically, they're not using those types of, of chemicals and things on their food. They're checked. They're, they're very heavily checked, yeah. as yeah. a matter of fact. Yeah. All right. So that was her. Feel free. That was her concern. And yeah, also good. check with the company. Like that's what I do. I actually will contact companies oh. and ask them. You do that too. I do. <laughs> I do that with everything. I will oh call gosh. them up on the phone and ask better. them a whole list of, of questions. That's Why not? Keep there was a toilet paper company that I bought that I love their toilet paper and they inside of the plastic, they wrap the individuals in plastic. And I'm like, why do you do that? This is no yes. reason. And they said, well, some people like to store it. And I, they don't do it anymore. I was so thrilled. I don't oh, think it was because I you. called. Well, you never know. You never know. That's right. So keep <laughs> calling y'all. <laughs> so this funny. past uh, summer, I went to the Grand Canyon and yes. they said, if you have like a dietary need, it, it's very likely that it can't be met because you're out in the wilderness for seven days and you're camping and et cetera. And they set up this buffet of bread, cheeses, meats, lettuces, tomatoes, you know, it was like a sandwich. Like, like you build your sandwich every day. And somebody stopped up and they said, hi, I need to come up first. I can't have like the tofu, touch the meat and oh, wow. da, da, da. And then everybody mumbled. They're like, oh, we know who the problem person's going to be this trip. <laughs> <laughs> like us, the call that, that was not me, but. Uh, well, you knew what to touch but I, not to touch. Yeah, I was empathetic. I was yeah. like, yeah, I get that. I don't want my tofu to be on next to the meat either. Right, I hear you. All right, so this. This Saturday, November 4th, is VegFest. Danny Hall is our guest. She's going to be talking about the environmental benefits of living a vegan lifestyle at 11 a.m. this Saturday. And then right after that is uh, Bobby Sud, and their presentation is Up Close and Personal with Animal Suffering at Noon. And then we have Dr. Faraz Harsini, and their topic is, Is the End of Modern Medicine Near at 1 o'clock? Angela Persuade Reddy, who's an MD, is going to be talking about Renew with Lifestyle Medicine at 2 p.m. And then at 3 p.m., we have Chris Peed, and they're going to be talking about Finding Your Way, probably in regards to veganism. Yes. <laughs> I love that they're going to be talking a lot about medicines. That's really yeah. cool. Uh, Danny, did you want to I talk? Mean, changing your medicine ways, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so last week I was working out, and somebody came in after me, who who has who hasn't been working out, and she just started like grabbing all these supplements that the trainer has, oh. and she goes like, "What supplements do I need?" Right, and that's De- part, they're desperate. Well, that's like the tenth step. The first yeah. step is like eat vegetables, right, <laughs> or fruit, right. or walk, right? Like 
the supplements aren't things. a cure. Yeah. But to be, you know, that's like you were saying, your friend was all upset because they had taken out the added vitamins <laughs> that they'd put into the thing. If you just eat the thing that already has the vitamins, yeah. then you don't have to add to it. Of course, I mean, different supplements, you know, I, I do take uh, oils mm-hmm. uh, because that's important. You well, know? I take B12 because honestly, most Americans, whether regardless of the diet that you're on, we tend to be deficient in B12. Yeah. Now, I eat out of my garden. Yeah. So I eat more dirty stuff than <laughs> probably most people do. I don't wash things, generally speaking, from my garden. So I get probably a little more B12, but you know, that way. But yeah, most people are deficient when it comes Your to B12. Your B12 is from the dirt? And my B12 is, that's where most B12 actually is. is. Yeah, actually, that's that. how, that's how um, cows are able to assimilate it into their diet because they're eating that dirty so grass and things interesting. like that. Yeah. yeah, I never, I'm not too crazy about having to wash everything off. I'm out no. in the garden. I'm eating from the garden. Yes. You know. I don't spray anything there's on my not, stuff but water, so there's nothing, I can eat it. Nothing like a fresh, uh, hot tomato with a, <gasps> with a leaf of basil. Yes. Oh. All right. So, Dan, we got about five minutes left. Um, what are, let's keep talking about the environmental benefits of veganism. Um, do you have any topics in mind? If not, Annie and I can brainstorm. Well, I'd like to talk about the, uh, the habitat and how the gardening, garden and habitat complement each other. Yeah, so, okay, so when it comes to... That would be what I came up with. <laughs> my, my idea of combating our lack of green space is to try and convince everybody to just create their own green space. Absolutely. You know, our urban environments are unfortunately losing, we're losing our tree cover, we're losing, you know, our beneficial native plants. So in my mind, the best way, the best thing that you can do for your local wildlife, for your animals, for the environment is to just create beautiful native habitat wherever you live. So you're not only creating just a wonderful environment for you to exist in, but you're also creating a place where butterflies and birds feel welcome. So who doesn't want that? And you're beautifying your whole neighborhood and community. And you're reducing the temperature. Yes, a lot. Absolutely. Heat islands and, you know, um, these unfortunate situations where we're creating so much more heat, radiant heat by the lack of trees and more pavement exposed. That's a big deal. And, and again, this is very prominent in our dis- disenfranchised communities. So if we can get more, you know, get more plants out there, get more trees planted wherever we can. And it also is carbon sequestering. So it's pulling in the carbon that we're creating. Absolutely. Absolutely. That artificial turf is killing me. That's become a real trend uh, in the the more wealthy neighborhoods. And I mean, it's not doing anything but looking green. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. It's looking plastic Looking plasticky. <laughs> That's and right. Potentially That's contributing microplastics to our waters no and doubt. things like and that. And also so. below it, it's crushed cement. So there's that. Oh, know. boy. Yeah, they compact the crushed cement, so there's no no soil breathing. It's not we're not right on top of soil. Yeah, that's that's we have very much disconnected ourselves from the yeah. natural world in many yeah. ways. So if I can recreate those connections, it's so nice that you are. Well, we try. <laughs> I love it that you are. So, Danny, is there any um, other? climate crisis and veganism relatedness you want to talk about? Something that we missed? No, no, I mean, oh goodness, not, I have, (laughs) I I mean, I could go on for hours, but um, yeah, no, just. How about this? For listeners who are eating the sad diet. What can they do? What can they do? Yeah. A small change, right? It's, it's something, yeah. it's just about changing your mindset. It's about thinking of others. You know, um, we, we live in an individualistic society, unfortunately, but it doesn't have to be that way. So one small change, one meal a week, 
right? Just change one meal a week to a meatless, like, and I know there's meatless Mondays and things like that. Pick whatever day you want. So start small. They, those changes can be be big. You can go to some restaurants that uh, are into that, and they will give you two meals for the meatless Mondays. Oh, that's Evo's so nice. does that for oh, sure. That's so nice. And so you know you can benefit by that with the wallet, as you were talking about earlier. You know, yeah. You support could. your places that are supporting animals and the environment, and and yes, a, a healthy, a healthy no harm lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, You know, one thing I did want to mention is when you were talking about how the chickens were in there and people think that they are not uh, contributing if they get the, on the outside, it says uh, they have free range or whatever. Cage free. Yeah, cage free, (laughs) all those things. That's just really not true. Basically what they have to do is they have a little door and a little area, probably 10 by 10 for them to walk out to, which they never do because they don't know what that means. So if you're doing that, you're just fooling yourself. It's another way of just sort of greenwashing Yes, it's it's unfortunately cognitive dissonance as we call it. It's we you know, and many of us are not equipped to to hold the suffering. We're just not. We're just not prepared to sit in that kind. So we distract ourselves and we tell ourselves it's something else. So, Danny, for listeners to learn more, they can go to uh, VegFest, Tampa VegFest this Saturday from eleven to five. And what's the location? It is. Perry Harvey Senior Park in downtown Tampa. And I'm sorry, I don't have the address. But you will see dozens, hundreds of people in... Oh, goodness. uh, Lots of vegans. It's a huge festival, so please Lots of vendors. Lots of vendors, wonderful food. Some of the... You'll get healthy food, junk food, desserts, (laughs) everything in between. And you can make a test. You can try this stuff out. If if you're not a vegan, go and try it out. So you might like it. Absolutely. And the website is? It's tampabayvegfest.com. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Danny Hall, for being our guest. We thoroughly appreciate really it. Really wonderful. Tomorrow on WMNF's Tuesday Cafe, uh, Mr. Sean Canale will be talking about a possible leak at the Polk County phosphogypsum st- stack owned by Mosaic. So tune in at 10 o'clock Tuesday morning here on 88.5. And thank you, Irene, for working the calls today and Mr. Bill Grace for working the boards. If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please go to WMNF.org and clicking that donate button and uh, select sustainable living show. Stay tuned in the next hour. You'll hear WMNF community speaks with Mabili. And next week is going to be a very interesting show. Yeah, We are going to have a USF professor and he's going to be talking about Tasmanian devils and rattlesnakes and cancers and sustainability of those things. It's really an interesting lineup. It's like uh, ecology, evolution, and yeah. conservation. Yeah, and the, pretty cool. And the interconnectedness uh, of yeah. those things. So if you could follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. Also, to listen to our past shows, just go to Listen On Demand at WMNF.org. It's at the bottom. You just keep scrolling. I'm Annie Ellis. And I'm Kenny Coogan. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye-bye. This is WMNF Tampa. Smiles returning.